Psalm 27:29. One thing I have asked of the Lord, this is what I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple, for in the day of trouble he will hide me in his shelter, he will conceal me under the cover of his tent, he will set me high upon a rock, at his tabernacle I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, my voice when I call. Be merciful and answer me. My heart said, Seek his face, your face, O Lord. I will seek. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Father of creation, unfold your sovereign plan, raise up a chosen generation that will march through. Your unknown 
Morning, Trinity Land Church family. Pastor Bob here this morning, and just want to welcome you here. Glad you could join us here this morning. Hey, I see Bruce and Wanda Lamb from Porter, Texas, out there. Good to see you guys, and glad you're here. And I see Pastor Sean and Debbie. Oh, Pastor Sean just turned off his TV. Oh well, so much for that. He was going to watch us, but not anymore. No, they're, they're here. By the way, Pastor Sean, Debbie Mango says hi. Okay, and I speak her language, so I know that she said that. Anyhow. 
Glad that you're all here for uh, here joining us this morning. Have just a couple of announcements and things before we continue on in our worship this morning. Um, I just want to remind you that Sacred Space is happening on Saturday evenings and beginning at 6 p.m. Go to the uh, Trinity Alliance Church Facebook group page to, to get in on that and um, be checking your emails and things for who's leading it and and uh, the time may change like it did this last saturday so you might want to be in on that as well so if you're not part of our emails and things that go out let us know that and we'll get you on those emails and things right away um, we are still all praying bob 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 get get out of the way man. sit down it's okay i got this i know i'm not there but I'm here, all right? Come on, you know, modern technology, I'm able to come to you no matter where I am in the world. It's crazy. And this weekend, I'm actually not in Reading. I'm up in Washington State and marrying off my daughter. Uh, just actually in a few minutes here, uh, we'll be uh, having our daughter up here with her new man, Neat. And uh, they're getting married. Super excited to be able to do this. We were hoping for a huge celebration and all that goes with that with lots of family and friends there. Uh, but unfortunately, we've had to trim that uh, down pretty drastically. So we're going to do a small ceremony today on uh, their planned and scheduled wedding day. And then uh, we'll do the bigger celebration later when we can start having those big group meets to meeting together again. So thank you for your prayers. I know several of you have uh, mentioned you're praying for us this weekend as we do this. And uh, I hope you can celebrate with us and uh, be uh, uh, just excited about the fact that uh, our daughter is marrying a guy that she loves and who's a great guy and she, he loves her as well. It's going to be a fun weekend. But also, you know, I just wanted to say, say, church, you know, God is continuing to work. We've got exciting things going on, and we're excited. I'm hoping that we'd be able to meet in person in some way in the next few weeks or so, but not sure how that's all going to play out yet. But we just ask that you continue to pray for the elders and, and Pastor Bob and I as we have these conversations. We're hoping to be able to bring a specific word or direction to you guys, kind of where we're at for sure this week. And so I'd be looking forward to that either on the Tuesday video that I send out or at least by next Sunday we'll be able to give kind of the church all right this is what our plan is but continue to pray for those who are of course getting sick from this virus but also that uh, we'd be able to get back into somewhat normal life and begin to meet again and get our businesses back open and our churches back open. Uh, today we've got a special treat for you, uh, the Pitroff family, that's right, uh, they've got a lot of kids, right, and a lot of fun at their house. Well, they're going to share a little bit about what God's been doing in their lives and how they've been handling this time of uh, uh, sheltering in place as a family, and so it'll be fun to see what they come up with. So Pitroff family, take it away. Church, hope you have a great uh, Sunday of worship. I'll be joining you from Washington State, uh, and I'll uh, be on the chat with you guys, and so God bless you all. Have a great day. Good morning from the Petroff household. Hi, everyone. So I'd like to introduce you to our kids, first of all. Emily Petroff, part of the many Petroffs. <laughs> Grace Petroff. Mark Petroff. Michael Petroff. I am Samuel David Petroff. Timothy Luke Petroff. Yeah, there definitely are, are some unique challenges to having a family size that we do with this, uh, this lockdown. And I, I'm a little bit lucky because 
my work was considered essential services. So I get to go to work every day. I escape the house and I go sit in my office. Yeah. <laughs> Having them home every single day, every single hour, all at once has been challenging and it's not vacation. There's still schoolwork involved and computer time that they need to get their work done and I'm fighting over who's gonna play or who's gonna do schoolwork and and then uh, of course the younger kids being loud and rambunctious and driving the older kids nuts. So, I just mentally I'm just exhausted for no reason. I'm stuck in this house. I have like nothing to do. I'm just like, what do I do? I'm like, I don't even know. Definitely siblings, especially the younger ones, because they can be a little annoying. Um, <laughs> can't see. I can't have sleepovers or go to like go to school. With starting up my first full-time, you know, college year. I had to adjust to going online suddenly, halfway through the second semester. Probably not being able to talk with friends. And we haven't gone to the school in a while. <laughs> Take two. Take two, or three, and now the lawnmower just started. Go on a trampoline. Go on a trampoline. <laughs> um, biking a lot. Like around our neighborhood. Got some Legos. I might build them when uh, working out. Um, using the computer. <laughs> Playing on the computer. Video games. Are able to play more video games? Excited for an update for a game I really like. Roblox. Uh, Steam games like Terraria. Minecraft sometimes. Playing Animal Crossing. <laughs> he will keep us safe. One thing is, I can trust him, him that he'll keep up all of us safe. I don't know. I need, like, way more patience. I guess to be more patient, especially with younger ones. I would say a lot of patience, especially for whatever the government throws at us every single day, having to go on, you know, go look at the news and see what's happening. So one of the things that uh, I've been learning through this whole thing and God's been working on me is to be a lot more flexible in, in what I'm doing. So the start of this, uh, this lockdown at uh, Bible Study Fellowship, we got uh, noticed that class can't meet anymore but they've got a Zoom meeting that, that we can we can do. So I quickly learned how to do Zoom and then taught a bunch of non-techie people how to do Zoom. Some of you were there. And uh, they had a lot of patience with me and I had a lot of patience with them. Meeting a connection group every week and having to take a drive in order to have a little quiet so we can hear. Um, definitely not quite the same. Um, I have to say I miss Bob and Sherry's couch on Tuesday nights and just being in person with everybody. Um, it's good, we have technology, but nothing beats being in person and having that real connection. Yeah. So thank you for, for joining the craziness that is the Petroff house today. I uh, hope to see you soon. Bye.
Bye. All right, thank you, Pitcheroff family, for that word. Just an excellent word there about what's been going on and things, what God's been teaching you. That's just awesome. And if you, uh, if things have been going on in your life, let us know about that. We'd like to know and, and, and be able to have you share it with the church family in these spots and things as well. So let Pastor Sean know about that, and he'll get in touch with you. Let's just take a moment and go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll continue on in our worship together this morning. Heavenly Father, we uh, just thank you for the opportunity that is ours to worship you in spirit and truth, even in this venue like this. And though, Lord, it, it's our desire that we'd much rather be together all in the same place, we, we thank you that, that still you have kept open the gates for us to praise you, to worship you, even through this digital media, and to be able to have some connection when it, would, it might be in a situation where we wouldn't even have this, Lord. And so help us, Lord, just to, to remember to, to praise you for what we have and not to, to not complain for what we don't have, Lord. So I just trust that as we continue on in our worship this morning, that we will bring you glory and honor and praise to the highest, that all that happens here will serve to exalt your name and not ours. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's continue in worship together. Laura.
I see the work of your hands Galaxies spin in a heavenly dance Oh God, all that you are is so overwhelming And I hear the sound of your voice All at once it's a gentle and thundering noise Oh God, all that you are Glorious, you are glorious. Oh God, there. 
of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you.
through this song. We're going to sing the first verse of this song again. Jesus, the name above all names, as our prayer unto the Father this morning, that he is our Savior, our sanctifier. He is our Prince of Peace, who by his Spirit comes to live within us, to guide us, direct us. I pray that we would hear his voice today and every day that all the noise and distraction would just go away and that we could just hear clearly the voice of our Father and our God who loves us. I pray that we would rest in his presence this morning as we continue to worship through the word brought to us this morning by Pastor Bob. I pray that the Lord would just speak through him this morning, that you would give him clarity in his words, encouragement in his words. And Father God, that we would hear your voice this morning so clearly. Father God, it is your name above every name that all of us should bow and hold on to and cling to. We are held, Father God, in your arms. Let's sing Jesus, name above all names. Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord. 
Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Amen. Thank you, Laura and team, for leading us in that awesome worship time together. It's my privilege this morning to bring you the message as Pastor Sean and Debbie are in Washington State, their daughter Olivia being married yesterday, and they were able to celebrate that as a small backyard wedding, and so they charged me with the task of uh, preaching this morning and bringing you a word. It's a little different having an empty room, um, being on this side of it and doing it. So I'm gonna, gonna do my best with this and we're gonna just journey and, and see what happens with it and, and go from there. I, uh, I also wanna take a moment and I, I just wanna thank each and every one of you for persevering through these times. Your continued faithfulness of joining us on Sunday mornings and, and, and being a part of that and continuing to be engaged and, and continuing to, to look for whatever ways are possible to, to continue to interact as a church family. It's, it's been an awesome time to see you rise up and respond in these times. And so I just want to say praise the Lord for that and, and thank you for your tenacity and your patience and, and your perseverance in this. I, I know it's not been easy. I know there's some things that have driven many of you crazy through all of this. It's driven me crazy. Um, but you know what? Um, God's in the middle of this and he's stirring something up. And so we're just, we're just going to continue on to see where he leads and see what goes on. And, and one day soon here, we'll be back together in this room with all of us and, uh, and, and just celebrating the Lord together in spirit and truth. So we look forward to that day. The title of my message this morning is Work Out Salvation. And, and, and that, that, that phrase tends to breed some confusion in people because uh, we are told that salvation is by grace through faith, which is true. There is no argument about that at all. And, and then when the word work pops up in conjunction with salvation, it sometimes uh, creates some sort of uh, confusion and eyebrow raising and, and uh, what, is, what is going to, uh, to, to come of that. And so I, I want to explore that with you this morning and try to maybe unfold some of that so it's not quite so confusing if that's something you've been wrestling with uh, through the years. But let me, um, let me begin by telling you something about my childhood and growing up in, in, in my home. 
Uh, my parents were, were and are not believers. Uh, my parents were, they were awesome parents. Uh, they continue to be awesome parents and the things that they, they taught me and my brother and, 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 and uh, growing up. Uh, it's not that they don't believe uh, God doesn't exist, but they, they don't believe that, to, that, that it's necessary to surrender to him, uh, to put it that way. And, and so there's, a, there's kind of a, a, a disconnect there with that. And um, uh, my dad is, is one that I really want to focus on. We, we just had Mother's Day and we focused on moms. I'm going to be a little early. I'm going to focus on my dad for a minute with this. My dad was a guy that taught me a lot of things uh, in, in life about what to do. My dad was a carpenter, and I'm the son of a carpenter. Um, Jesus was the son of a carpenter. I guess that puts me in pretty good company, I guess. I, 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 you know, I, I wonder uh, if Jesus, in his young age, got called on occasion to come and fix broken water faucets and things like that in the synagogue. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, you know, just, just wonder what, what that was like. But, you know, my dad, he, he wasn't much of a demonstratively affectionate kind of guy. He was a Marine, actually, and came from that stock and that upbringing. And, and uh, uh, so he was, he was kind of distant emotionally. It's just how he was wired. And yet he, he tried to engage my brother and I with what he knew to pass down what he could teach us about how to fix cars and about how to build buildings and about how to repair plumbing and electrical and, and just a, a whole bunch of things that, that my dad taught us how to do. And, and, and I, I appreciated that, but one of the things that my dad was a stickler for was work. My dad was a stickler for working and doing the best job that you could possibly do when you worked. And, if, and, and I remember doing jobs that wouldn't be quite right. And my dad would make me go and do them over again until they were right. And in fact, one of my dad's best sayings was, there's never enough time to do it right, but there's always time to do it over. And, and yeah, that, that's something that always stuck with me because if you did it right the first time, you wouldn't have to go back and spend time doing it a second time over again, right? And that's what, that's what Dad was trying to get across to my brother and I is to do the job right and do it well. Work hard. Work was important to him, and he instilled that in my brother and I. A work ethic is what we would What's what it was called. We have a lot of different sayings where we employ the use work. Here's just a few that I thought of. Work it out. It works. I'm going to work. Work hard. Get the work done. Now, there's probably a lot of other uses that you can employ in, in the word work there and, and make that happen. But the idea here is that we as Americans tend to view work as something to achieve and a list of tasks to do that there is an end result in something to do that we have to work for something to get it. We work for our wages. We work for our food. We work for, you fill in the blank. There's a lot of things that we work for. And, and the problem when it comes to God's economy with work. Oftentimes in the passage we're going to look at this morning, we try to apply that same kind of definition to work. 
That somehow nothing in this life is free and so we have to work for it. And when we're told that salvation is a free gift of God, we wrestle with that because nothing is free. We have to work for it. And, and so many people struggle with this concept. We tend to see the word work as an activity to achieve something, to get something. And that we have to do it or it doesn't get And so there, there's this tension in the church that it causes, as I said earlier. Paul in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says that it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not of works. It is the free gift of God. It's not of works so that no one may boast. But then in our passage this morning in Philippians 2, 12, Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What's going on? How did these two things mesh? They... They're either contradictory or there's a tension here and two sides of the same coin that we need to look at. And that's what I want to take a journey with you this morning on is looking at these two sides of this coin. I want to explore with you today what is meant by work, who does this work, how is this work to be done, and why this work is to be done. So if you have your Bibles, you can get those open in Philippians chapter 2. That's where I'm going to be spending the bulk of our time in verses 12 through 16. And we'll be unpacking this a little bit and, and, and hopefully not only give you clarity to this, but, but some, some elements of, of application that will, that will uh, inspire you and encourage you through this. Paul is writing the letter to the Philippians from jail. He's in jail in Rome. And he can't go and visit the Philippians. He's already visited them once. He helped establish the church there. And Paul's been getting reports about the Philippians and what they've been doing. And so now he, he wants to write a letter to them to encourage them and to remind them of some things. And, and one of the things that, that he wants to remind them of is what Jesus did for them and what their response is to be in this. And he starts off in the first five verses of the chapter telling them that basically, my paraphrase, they need to be other person-centered, they, they need to do nothing out of selfish ambition. And they need to have the same attitude in themselves, which is in Christ Jesus. And in verses 5 through 11, Paul lays out this poem of Jesus, what he did by going to the cross, by dying for you and for me, and being that propitiation for our sins and the great gift that he has given there. And then we get to the first part about working out our salvation, the what in verse 12. And verse 12 of Philippians chapter 2 says this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He, Paul makes a statement here to, to continue to work out your salvation. And he's talking both in an individual sense, each individual work out your salvation, and he's also talking in a corporate sense. You, church, together, work out your salvation. Well, what, what does he mean? What is, what is he saying here? And, and what is he not saying here? Just as equally important. He is not saying here that we need to work hard to get more of Jesus. Our vision statement here at Trinity Alliance Church says that we are 
seeking to enjoy fully our relationship with Jesus. You see, when, when you come to Christ, you get all of Jesus. You don't get just a little part of him, and then the more work you do, the more of Jesus you get. There's a song that we used to sing. Laura knows this, and she'll be the first one to tell you that songs drive me nuts on occasion. But, but one of those songs that we sing, or we have sung in the past, is a song that says, I want more of you, Jesus. I want more of you. I want more of you, Jesus. You've got all of Jesus. You don't need to ask for more of Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean we're experiencing all of Jesus because there's a lot there to experience, and I'll get to that in a little bit later. You already have all of him. His Holy Spirit come taking up residence in your life. He has filled you to complete fullness of him. What Paul is saying by this word about working out your salvation perhaps is better translated the idea, live out your salvation. Live it out. You have all of Jesus. You have all of the resources here. Live it out before a waiting, watching world. You'll see this unfold as we continue to journey through this. But he's saying, live out your salvation. He's saying, don't hide it. Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good work and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Jesus wants his light to shine in this dark world, and, and he's chosen us to do it. And so he's saying, live out your salvation. Paul is saying this to us. Live it out so that, uh, that a waiting and watching world can see this. Going back to verse 5 of this chapter in chapter 2, Paul says, have the same attitude in yourselves in Christ Jesus. What was that attitude? The attitude was Jesus was unselfish. He went to the cross. He laid down his life for us. We're to have that same attitude. We're to be unselfish. We're to lay down our lives for our friends. We're to lay down our lives for a lost world that desperately needs to see Jesus. Whatever lay down your life looks like. Maybe that's your position. Maybe that's your status. Maybe that's your very physical life. Whatever God is calling us to do, we, we need to be willing to have that same attitude and lay it down. I'll give you an illustration from marriage about this whole thing about having all of Jesus and not having to work to get more of him. When you get married, those of you that are married, you go down to the county, you get a marriage certificate, you have a ceremony, you're married. You're not partially married. You're fully married. The work that you do in your marriage is not to become more married in the eyes of the county, in the eyes of the officials. The work that you do in your marriage is to embrace more and experience more of what marriage can bring into your life and into your spouse's life. You don't do it to be advanced married now, as opposed to elementary married or nursery married, or whatever, something like that. You, you, you are fully married, but you haven't necessarily experienced all the benefits of marriage. That's work, isn't it? We have to work at our marriage. We have to learn how to communicate. We have to learn how to be unselfish. We have to learn how to, how to understand the other person's uh, needs and how to, how to meet those needs. 
It takes patience. It takes unselfishness. It takes all kinds of things in marriage. This is the same thing that Paul is saying here is you have all of Jesus. Work it out. You have all of your salvation in him. Work it out now. He's given you everything you need for life and godliness. Work it out. Live it out. Don't hide it. Some people have a fortress mentality where they come to Jesus and then what they want to do, they want to just hide it and they want to hide it under a, a, a rock or they don't want to do any damage to it. I, I got salvation, but I don't want to ruin it, so I'm going to tuck it in here and I'm going to protect it so it doesn't get all messed up because I might mess it up. That's not what Jesus calls you. That's not what Paul's saying here. He wants us to live it out, which leads us to the second question. Who does this work? We know what the what is. We are to work out our salvation. But the second question is, who does this work? Lest somebody may think that they can do this on their own. I'm so good, I can work out my salvation on my own. Paul clarifies this in verse 13 when he says this. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. You can't get any clearer than that. It is God who does the work in you to live out your salvation and for me to live out my salvation. He energizes us to live out our salvation. Maybe another word to use here is empower. He provides it. He provides everything we need for it. It's for us to enjoy it, to live it out by his strength and power. I have in my pocket a cookie. You guys remember these, right? We used to have cookies for our refreshment time, right? Remember that? We would uh, have coffee and we would have cookies. Well, this happens to be one of my wife's extremely delicious molasses cookies. It's real, by the way. And this cookie is in my hand because my wife made it. Now, if my wife hadn't made the cookie, I wouldn't have the cookie. I wouldn't have anything in my hand here. Now, I can stand here, I mean, because of the grace of my wife, I, I have the cookie. And I can stand here and look at this cookie for the rest of our time together this morning and Never do anything else, would it? Would I really be enjoying this cookie? There's a lot of flavor and everything waiting to be experienced in this cookie. And I see from the worship team that's around here saying, give me the cookie. The only way that I can get some enjoyment out of this cookie that my wife has so graciously made and provided with love, I might add, she told me to say that, um, is <clears throat> that I need to take a bite out of this cookie and experience its flavor and its taste and enjoy it. I'll save it for later. You see, God provides everything we need to live out our salvation. It's all right there and, and he is wanting us to live it out so that people would see Jesus. 
God is at work in us to live out our salvation, and that leads to the how does God want us to live out our salvation? And Paul addresses that when he goes on down, and we want to jump back to the, the second half of verse 12. I skipped that for a reason, but the second half of verse 12 says this. After he says, work out your salvation, he says to work it out with fear and trembling. Now, that, that part of the passage is often misunderstood. It's, it's like a fear, some people interpret it as a fear of cowering and afraid that God's going to step on them if they do something wrong with it and, and something like that. The best way I can explain this to you is that fear and trembling means to take it seriously. Work it out with all seriousness. Don't take it lightly. One of the illustrations I can give you for this is what, what uh, I've talked with Pastor Sean about this. Both he and I go through the same thing, as, and, I, and I believe Laura does when she's preparing uh, for worship on Sunday morning, is is the labor that goes into this, that as you're preparing a message and you're handling the word of God and as you're choosing these songs, you're wrestling with, Lord, keep me out of the way. And, and you're so afraid of mixing up the message with, with your own ego and, 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 and opinions and things. You just want to stay out of the way. And there's, there is a battle that rages on that way. And, 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 and so to, to just... Take it seriously as these things prepare. Paul is saying the same thing. He's saying, work out your salvation in all seriousness. Don't take that lightly. It's incredibly important. He's trying to get across. Don't do it in a haphazard fashion. The second part of the how is found in verse 14. When Paul says this, do everything without complaining or arguing. And I read that verse when I was preparing this sermon, and it's like a knife pierced me. Do everything without complaining. Oh, man. Now, I can't pass judgment on any of you, but I can tell you, for me, that through this time of chaos and the COVID-19, I've done my fair share of complaining. And, and I, you know, with, with the not being able to meet together, saying, you know what, this sucks. This is really bad. This is like, what in the world? Be careful, I'll get on a soapbox here. But you know what? God's word is saying, do it all without complaining and arguing or grumbling. Because complaining and arguing lead to some bad things. Take a look in Exodus. Children of Israel wandering around the desert. God's providing for them. He brought them through the Red Sea for crying out loud. And, and he provided the manna for them, the water and the rock. And he, he's got all that going for them. And what are they complaining about? We're tired of eating manna. We're out here in the desert. God, it would be better if we went back to Egypt. Some bad things that happened for that. They wandered around in the desert for another 40 years because of their grumbling and complaining. Complaining happens when the circumstances that are before us are not being resolved the way that we want them to be resolved. We have a particular idea of how we want something to go or when we want it to happen, and when it doesn't, we begin to complain, we begin to argue, we begin to grumble. And this can happen in the church family, and it can happen to the world with us engaging the world. 
Go back to when Jesus entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. What was happening there? The crowds were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, which we know by now means save us, Lord, save us now. And they were ready and they were excited. What were they excited about? Because they thought this was the time that Jesus was going to deliver the Jews from the oppressive rule of Rome. And when Good Friday came and Jesus still hadn't delivered them from the oppressive rule of Rome, their cries of Hosanna changed to crucify him. Give us Barabbas. Crucify Jesus. What changed? The Jews had it in their mind that what they needed deliverance from was Rome. What Jesus came to deliver them from was the tyranny of sin that was separating them from God and the relationship to have with him. They failed to see what God was doing in the midst of this. Our complaints are often the result of our desires getting frustrated. Things are not working out like we want, so we are tempted to take control. And sometimes we may even spiritualize that control and say, well, certainly God wouldn't want it to happen this way, or God would want it to happen this way. And we forget the Lord says this. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. And so there, there are times that we need to be very, very careful that we're not missing God in the midst of something that's going on in our lives. And even though it's unorthodox, even though it's contrary to what we want to be happening, we, we need to be very, very careful, not only for our sakes, but also because the world is watching us. They, they are watching us in there, and if they see us complaining and arguing, they're, they're looking at us going, well, what's, what's different about them? They say they have hope in Jesus, but they're acting like they don't have any hope at all. What kind of message are we communicating? What are we saying to a world that is, that is in bondage, control of the enemy? Paul is telling the Philippians, and ultimately us, to live out our salvation and our faith without complaining or arguing. This leads us to the why. Why should we do this? And in a sentence, the reason is, is because the world is messed up. The world's messed up. Verses 15 and 16 of chapter 2 say this. Uh, verse 14, do everything without complaining or arguing. Verse 15, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in a universe as you hold out the word of life. Paul describes the world we live in as crooked and perverse, and I don't think too many of us would argue about that. There are things that are messed up in this world. Because God is not the center of their lives. He's not the center of their decision-making. He's not the center of their morality, even if they have a morality. There is no absolute truth for much of the world these days. Pastor Sean preached on this a couple, a couple weeks ago about, about the truth that Jesus is. Paul contends that if we are complaining and arguing, we are not shining the light. 
And the world around us needs to see this light. They need to see that we are different. They need to see that Jesus does make a difference in how we handle circumstances and situations. Because ultimately, it's not us handling them. It's the Spirit in us empowering us to handle them. So what do they see in us? God is at work in us to shine the light of his truth into a dark and gloomy world. Even in such times as these. John 13, 35, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, all men will know that you are my disciples as you have love one for another. If, if the world sees us fighting and arguing and complaining in, in the family, they're not going to think much of Jesus and, and, and our master and, the, and, and us as disciples. But if they see the love that we have for one another, I'm not talking about fake love here. I'm talking about honest, authentic love for one another. Honest, authentic love doesn't mean we don't disagree at times. That's going to happen. But it means we get beyond that. It means it's still even we disagree. We still love one another and we're still together. We're still a family. Families don't fall apart when they disagree. They respect differences. Is that what the world sees in us? Going back to Matthew 5, I want to read for you verses 14 through 16. Because this describes something about the light that we are and that Jesus is. Jesus said this to his disciples and then ultimately to us. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it in its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Paul says here that, that we shine like bright shining stars in a crooked and perverse universe as we hold out the word of life. Jesus says we are the light of the world as we hold out his truth. That light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. John chapter 1, verses 4, four through 5, tell us that in him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not understood it. We are called out of darkness, the darkness of this world, to bear his light, to be light bearers. That, that is what working out our salvation involves, is, is to shine the light of Christ that is in us, that he is wanting to shine through us to a dark and crooked universe that desperately needs to see Jesus. We need to be holding out his truth. We need to work out our salvation because it is God who is at work in us to do that. Without grumbling and complaining, with, with, with all seriousness, we need to do it because the world is messed up. And because Jesus wants to shine his light to give people hope. Worship team, why don't you come forward as I close with a couple of comments here. To those of you who know Christ, 
I want to say these things to you. You already have all of Jesus. It's now learning how to experience and embrace more of that relationship with him. It's, it's, it's learning to, to, to be teachable. Because the Holy Spirit wants to teach us more about all of the dynamics of, of the relationship in Jesus. We don't do the things we, we do, the working out to please God and somehow attain more of salvation. But rather, we do the things we do because God's called us to do them. And through those experiences, he teaches us more about the relationship we have with him. And we grow. We just grow up. We become mature. As adults, as children grow up into adults, the same thing with us. We are growing up. We need to live it out. Stop striving to attain it. The world around you needs to see the light of Christ. So ask the Lord, how can I shine this light, Lord? What that's in me that you have put there, how do you want me to shine this light? And ask yourself, what are the people around you seeing? The people at work, your friends, your neighbors, your family members who may not know Jesus. What are they seeing? Are they seeing you and I as complaining and arguing and maybe just full of our own self-interests? That's all we're looking out for? Or do they see us as people who persevere? who are patient, who are loving, who have other people's interests at heart and, and want to have that same attitude that Jesus had in, in, in putting them first and, and putting their interests on the table as well as our own. What do they see? How are we working out that salvation? To those of you who have never trusted Jesus, I want to say this. God has a great and awesome gift for you, eternal life. And a restoration of a re relationship with him that was, that was tainted at the fall. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. Now, he's talking about life in eternity as well as life here and now. That, that we can have a life that is free from the perverseness and the crookedness of this dark world. And he wants you to have that. And I pray that if you have never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I pray that you would take this opportunity now and do that. Scripture tells us that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And at that moment, you will have all of Jesus. That doesn't mean then you just sit back and you don't do anything else. It means you let God work in you. You cooperate with that, and, and he grows you up, and you experience more of what that relationship is. And it's awesome. There is hope in Jesus, even in this chaotic time. So church, let's work our salvation out together. Let's be serious about this. Let's move forward with this. Let's be more serious about this, and let's move forward, especially in this time. Trusting God, wherever he leads and whatever he's got before us. Being mindful of the fact that he's in control and that we need to follow him. Amen? Amen. Let's close with some worship time together. Laura?
Heavenly Father, we just ask that as we go about this week, that we would just lean on you, that we would trust you, that we would obey where your spirit is, is teaching and leading us, that we would just submit to that leading. Lord, open our eyes and our ears to see your ways. Help us to, to be people who, who are seeking after your thoughts and your ways and not our own. Lord, help us make Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 a reality in our lives, that we are not leaning on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledging you so that you may direct our paths. No matter what comes our way, Lord, may we not falter in keeping our eyes fixed on you. The Apostle Paul, toward the end of his letter to the Philippians, writes something to them to encourage them in their time of trial, which I think is appropriate for us as well, when he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you as you go through this week. May you be blessed in all that you encounter and all that you do in his name. Amen. God bless you. We hope to see you next week. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow. Oh, all your ways are good. All your ways are sure. I will trust.
you take what is you make it beautiful when love floods in
bass solo. It's time for a bass solo. Oh, he's all about that bass. Basically. Oh my gosh, ow, that hurts. <laughs> sharp <laughs> oh my goodness too much dun, 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 dun. 